good morning. I pray this finds you having a blessed, wonderful day in the Lord. And uh, looking forward to getting into our time together. And today will actually be the last um, podcast on this series that we've been doing about uh, understanding how that our culture and things that are going on in our lives and around us um, are really affecting us personally and in the church to the point that it's kind of causing this mentality of being dead and dying and uh, just completely unaware of it. Um, And I want us to be able to kind of end with what I think is, uh, if you want to say, I think probably the the most important of all of them. Um, I think that if there was one lesson uh, that we've been looking at in this podcast that could really sum up everything else, it's this one. Um, I think that, and again, I hope that you understand my heart. I've not been trying to do this podcast uh, over the last few months with this series here because I want to be critical because I think I have all the answers or because I'm just someone who likes to point out problems. Um, I'm really not one of those people who like to point out problems. I like to find solutions, and that's kind of what I want us to do today with this uh, session in the podcast is to be able to look at what I think will be the, um, if you want to say, proverbial first step to getting back on track with what it means to be able to be a follower of Christ. I believe up to this point, what I hope that you've been able to see is we've kind of walked through all of these and we've given them names and we've tried to, you know, kind of show um, how that they correlate between Scripture and where we're at in our day-to-day lives now. I hope that you see that if you wanted to say the church has been impacted more by culture and society than the church has impacted culture and society. The reason why we have so many of the problems that we have, when you go back and you look at some of this idea of how that we've replaced prayer with programs and how we've replaced miracles with moments and how we're more focused on the emotional experience rather than being spiritually steadfast, how that we're more worried about the extracurriculars in our lives than we are about serving the Lord and how that we've, especially within the church, turned it into an us and them mentality, how that we struggle with this idea of bigger barns and how that we are focusing so much on the stuff we have um, rather than focusing on storing up treasures in heaven, how that we have really developed a Pharisee mentality um, within the culture of uh, Christianity and in our churches to where what we're finding is a lot of people are just more worried about their power and prestige and their placement and the status that they have. Uh, and last week we talked about the Good Samaritan mentality about how that we we don't want to get ourselves dirty. We don't want to get involved in other people's lives and how that we uh, we're so critical uh, of of things and you know what I hope that you realize is that if you turn on the news or you go and you uh, engage anybody in our culture today, this is what you see in our society. These things that we've talked about, 
these things that we've kind of laid out there are what we are finding that is prevalent in our culture today. And we look more, when I say we, I'm talking about Christians and I'm talking especially about the church. We look more like the world than we probably ever have. There is such little to separate the world and the church today that it's no wonder people have a hard time figuring out whether they need to be saved or not, whether the, uh, that they're able to use the excuse of, well, I'm just as good as Joe and he goes to church every Sunday. We, as, as followers of Christ, I don't believe can say that overall we're living a way today that is causing the world to believe that they need Jesus. We're living in a way to where we're actually given a more of an excuse to not have anything to do with Jesus, to not see a need for salvation. And so, if you have your Bible and want to turn with me, you can turn to the book of John chapter 13. And I told you last week what this one was going to be about. And again, I believe that this lesson is the proverbial first step back. And today we're going to be looking at foot washing mentality. In John chapter 13 it says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with a towel tied around him. There's more as you continue going on, especially with Peter himself, about how that Peter said, Lord, you're not going to wash me. Uh, but I want us to just stop right there and... I want us to begin to kind of start digging from there. Because I believe that there's a lot of information that we can gather from this in being able to see what needs to be done. And what I'm hoping is that as we walk through this, you're going to see how that as we explain this, it's going to tie right back into every other one that we've talked about up to this point. When... Jesus is at this point. This is the last week of Jesus' life. Jesus has done his ministry up to this point. Um, but now his ministry is really going to uh, narrow down to just the disciples over the next few days. Um, Jesus is going to really pour into them. He's going to focus on them. And he's going to start with this Passover festival here. Um, I mean, he's going to end with this Passover festival here. Um, this last week of Jesus' life, he's really being poured into them, and now they're in the upper room. Um, they're getting ready to partake of the Passover. Jesus is going to be arrested on this night. And if you want to say this is his last ministry moment with his disciples, um, this is where he's really going to be teaching them. Um, you could almost, I, you could almost say that this is one of the most important lessons that Jesus is going to teach them. 
Jesus' ministry is winded down. The purpose of why he has come is here now. And one of the things that I, I'm afraid that we neglect to put into play into practice here is that yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. And I believe to really understand this passage the way that it's intended is we have to look at that humanity side of Jesus here. Now, I can't put myself in Jesus' shoes, neither can you, but we can do the best we can to be able to try to grasp this. And that's really what I want to do. We have to understand... As we've already laid out, Jesus has come to the end of his ministry. Jesus knows that some major things are going to happen tonight. And I want to put these things into context before we really get into the story. Because if we don't understand this, then we're really going to miss the whole entire story. Because what we're going to find is the magnitude of what Jesus is getting ready to do. Number one, Jesus knows that if he is obedient to the will of the Father, which is what he's wanting to do, and we see that he prays that in the Garden of Gethsemane, there is no turning back and Jesus is going to die. Jesus is getting ready to be scourged with a cat of nine tails, and he's getting ready to be nailed to a cross. And he is going to die for the sins of the world. And the greatest pain that he's going to be taking is not going to be from the cat of nine tails and not going to be from the hammer and the nails. It is going to be from the sin, my sin, that he is going to take on himself on Calvary. And he is going to bear that sin. But on top of that, and he already knows that that's coming, he also realizes that as we've seen here in verse 2, now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put in his heart already put into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Here is someone who has walked with Jesus. Here is someone who has been involved in the inner circle for a significant period of time of Jesus' ministry. For a majority of the ministry Jesus has had for at least three years, Simon Iscariot's son, Judas, has been the treasurer of the disciples. He's the one who managed and carried the money. And Judas has witnessed all of the miracles that Jesus has done. Judas has been a part of all of the campfire nights that they were sitting there and the disciples were asking Jesus questions that we don't even have recorded in Scripture. Judas was there when Jesus would have these special moments of teaching just for the disciples. Judas was there when he heard Jesus' sermons. And yet we find that Judas in all of this has rejected Jesus and has chosen not to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We can't imagine the weight of what this would be on Jesus' shoulders. Already dealing with the fact that He knows He's going to die. That He knows He's going to take on the sins of the world. That He knows that His Father is going to turn His face from Him. When He cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus already is bearing the weight of that, and he's carrying that. Now he's carrying the weight of knowing that Judas is going to betray him tonight and turn him over. But one of the other things that we're going to find 
is that Jesus is going to deal with the denial of Peter as well. Jesus is going to come over here to Peter and Peter, he's going to try to wash Peter's feet and Peter says, you know, Lord, you're not washing my feet. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you don't have no part with me. And Peter's like, give me a full-blown bath then if it's what you need to do. And Jesus knows that he's washing as he's washing Simon's feet, as he's washing Peter's feet. That later on that night, Peter's going to deny that he even knows him. Jesus, the, the disciple that Jesus has poured into the most, the one that he's kind of designated as the leader, the one that he is going to um, put his stock in, if you will, to be the one to um, really lead the new church in the book of Acts. Yeah, that same Peter is going to be the one that he denies that he even knows Jesus before the night is over. These are the things that are weighing on Jesus' mind. As Jesus is sitting here in the Passover meal that he's going to be providing for the disciples. And Jesus simply gets up. And if you don't know the mean, you know, a whole lot of the reasoning behind this, I'm going to give you a little bit of the history that goes along with it. As you know, most of the, the, the people here, they either walked barefoot or they had sandals. The streets were usually always just cluttered with with feces. They were uh, from from animals and everything that walked in the streets. You know, the animals would just use the bathroom there. People's feet were absolutely just dirty and filthy. Their sandals were dirty and filthy. And most of the time, what would happen is if someone went into another person's house, especially if that person had any kind of status whatsoever. They would have a servant there. And that servant would have a pan of water that they would wash people's feet with before they come into the house so that way they wouldn't carry some of the nasty stuff that was on their feet into the house. When Jesus asked these disciples to come in to the upper room, not one of these disciples was willing to be a servant to wash the other people's feet. That would have been beneath them. You know, the disciples have already spent time arguing who was going to be the greatest, who was going to sit, you know, John and James's mom went up to Jesus and said she wanted one to sit at the right hand and one to sit at the left hand. The disciples constantly argued about who was better than the other, who was the greatest. And so we know that these men would have struggled with this idea of humility, they would have struggled with this idea of being able to kneel down and wash each other's feet. Peter is not going to sit down and wash Bartholomew's feet. James is not going to wash the feet of his brother John. So instead of one of them kind of humbling themselves down to wash each other's feet, what they do is they just look at it and say, you know what, no big deal, we'll just, we'll just skip that step. I want to let you realize you can't skip the step of humility if you want to serve Jesus. You just can't. And the reason being is because that's the first step. If you are a follower of Christ, you've got to live in a way of humility 
and live in the way that Jesus did when he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus realizing that these people, these men, these disciples, it was beneath them to be able to gird themselves with a towel and be able to go around and wash feet. Jesus himself gets up, who is the master. He would be the head of the house, if you will. And he gets up and he girds himself with a towel. And he goes over and he has a pan of water and he kneels down to the first disciple. And you, I don't know that we could imagine what was going through that disciple's mind at that time. Shock and awe is probably some of the best things that we can define it by. Absolute shock and awe of why in the world would Jesus be kneeling down washing my feet? I think the next emotion that would have probably taken over was shame. Realizing that Jesus doesn't need to be washing my feet, I need to be washing his feet. But what do you do in that moment? And Jesus, with everything that was on his mind, everything that was weighing on him, everything that was bearing down on him, Jesus realized... One of the most important lessons that the disciples needed to learn, they still haven't learned it yet, and that's humility. Before Jesus is getting ready to go be crucified, before Jesus is getting ready to be betrayed by one of his own, before Jesus is getting ready to be denied by the man he's picked to be able to lead the church and lead the disciples, Jesus realizes that I've got to sit down and I've got to continue to teach these guys at least one more lesson and I've got to do it in a way that's going to get their attention. And Jesus kneels down and he begins to wash each of their feet. And I want you to imagine what's going to happen in Jesus' mind when he gets to Peter as we've already seen. Peter's going to deny him. That same exact night, just a couple hours from this moment right now, Peter is going to deny that he even knows Jesus. And now is when I want to pick up with this specific section in John chapter 13. Starting in verse 6, it says, He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is getting ready. He's kneeling down. He's washing Peter's feet, knowing Peter's going to deny him. And here Peter is trying to act all super spiritual. Peter's taking this opportunity to say, I'm not going to be like these other disciples. These other disciples before me, you know, you've come through and you've washed their feet and they haven't said anything. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, Jesus, you're not, you're not going to wash my feet. No. This was the false bravado. This was the false status that Peter believed that he had. This was the, the false pride. If you even want to say it, this is the false humility. Peter was trying to set himself apart from the other guys. 
by standing up saying, God, you're not going to wash my feet. No, no, no. Not realizing that in just a couple hours, he's going to deny that same Lord. Yet Jesus kneels and washes his feet. And I want to ask you a question and I want to ask me a question. Would you kneel down and wash somebody's feet that you know is going to hurt you deeply? Someone that you've loved, someone that you've poured your life into, someone that you have ministered to, someone that you have shown love towards, you know that they're going to hurt you deeply. Would you still kneel down and wash their feet? Jesus did. Because Jesus is showing humility. Jesus is teaching Peter a very valuable lesson here. Jesus is showing Peter it's not about a false bravado. It's not about trying to make sure that you stand out in front of everybody else. It's not trying to make sure that you show up all the other disciples by trying to stand up and say, oh, you're not washing my feet. Peter, you're going to fall flat on your face in just a couple hours. Peter, what you need to realize is sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you just need to let humility lead. Sometimes you don't need to speak up. Sometimes you don't need to, to, to try to show others how awesome and wonderful you are. Sometimes you need to just let humility lead the way. And Peter, you've not learned that lesson yet. That's what Jesus was trying to teach him that he's not going to understand. He wasn't going to understand all this humility right now, but it eventually will come. But see, Jesus doesn't stop there after he gets done with Peter. At some point, there's another man in the room and his name is Judas. Could you imagine being there in that moment whenever Jesus kneels down in front of Judas and he takes Judas's foot and he begins to wash Judas's foot? Here is a man that Jesus has poured into. Here's a man that Jesus has allowed to be the treasure of the disciples. Here's a man that has witnessed the mighty miracles and the teachings of Jesus. Here's the man who has been in those intimate moments in the evening during campfires that we don't have the privilege of. Judas has been a part of Jesus' entire ministry, and yet Judas does not believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Judas is an absolute fake and a fraud. And Judas is getting ready to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which is the price of a slave, because Judas believes that if he can sell Jesus, that it's going to allow him to be able to get in the good graces of the other religious leaders. Judas, going back to verse 2, the devil had already put it into Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Judas already knew the moment that Jesus grabbed his foot and began to put water on it. And to wash his foot, Judas already knew that he was getting ready to betray Jesus. And Jesus already knew that Judas was getting ready to betray him. I can't imagine the eye contact that took place whenever Jesus looked in Judas' eyes as he washed his feet with the level of compassion and love that Jesus had. And my mind can't even begin to understand what Judas was thinking. 
And yet Jesus washed Judas's feet, knowing that Judas was going to betray him. Notice that Jude, knowing that Judas was going to go to the religious leaders, sell him out, bring them, and arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, so he could be crucified. Jesus knelt down and washed the feet of the man who was going to deny him and hurt him very deeply, and he was going to wash the feet of the man who was going to to stab the proverbial knife in the back. I've already asked the question, would you and I wash the feet of someone who was going to hurt us deeply? Take it a step further, would you and I wash the feet of someone who was going to betray us? Now you're able to see kind of hopefully where we're going with this. When it comes to the lives of Christ followers today and those who gather into the local church of understanding why we have a problem within the lives of Christians today and in the local church. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't see this mentality within Christians today in our culture, and I don't see it within churches today. I see more fighting taking place in churches than I do out in the world. I see more Christians at each other's throats and not getting along as I do unsafe people out in the world. I see more Christians that are critical of other people than I do of unsafe people being critical of other people. I see more people in the church trying to worry about their status, power, and position, and placement, and willing to step on anybody, willing to kick anybody out of the way in order to be able to get it as much as I do out in the world. To say that I see foot washing mentality and humility within the, the church today and the Christian culture, I just don't. And I'm even putting myself in there. I'm not sitting here teaching this uh, lesson and this podcast with a mindset that I've got all this right and I'm doing this. I'm teaching it out of a sense of repentance. I'm teaching it out of a sense of Shame, I'm teaching it out of a sense of guilt. Realizing that as a pastor and as a Christian, I've I've fallen prey to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about now, up to this point. All of these lessons that we've been talking about, I've fallen prey to them. I've sat down and been in the situation where I've been wanting to build bigger barns. I've been in the situation where as a pastor, I cared about my status. I got mad. Because Pastor so-and-so down the road was asked to preach a revival or to speak at a conference and I wasn't. I got frustrated because I felt like I was serving the Lord like I should and I should be blessed more than I am. I felt like that I should be able to have more status and recognition. I felt like people should notice me more. I've had an us and them mentality. I've actually looked at other churches down the road and been in competition with them. I've looked at other believers and I've compared myself to them and made myself out to be better than them. I've replaced prayer with programs. I've looked at it and said, well, if that's working down there at that church, then we're going to implement it here and I'm not going to focus so much on prayer. 
I'm not going to focus so much on letting God guide. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that we, we put these programs in place and, and see what that does. I've replaced miracles with moments. I've quit worrying about letting God do what only He can do and I've been trying to create things on my own. I've fallen prey to emotional experiences over spiritual steadfastness. As a pastor, I've sat down and I've started to see, you know, that there's an opportunity here to really focus on some <clears throat> some things that's going on. <clears throat> and you can tap into those emotions and you can really, you know, begin to cause some things to happen. And you're manipulating the situation, yeah. I've focused more on extracurriculars than I have serving the Lord. I've allowed other things to get into my life that's caused me to to mismanage my time and to focus more on those things. As I said, I've got into an us versus them mentality. I've got into the bigger barn mentality. I've got into the Pharisee mentality. I've even got into the Good Samaritan mentality. Where I've not wanted to get dirty. Where I've thought a little too highly of myself. Where I thought that something was beneath me. Every one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have fallen prey to every single one of these scenarios that we've talked about over the last few weeks. The question is not that I've sit here and admitted to you that I've fallen pray to these things. It's not that you sit down and admit that you fall and pray to these things. It's what are you going to do about it knowing that you have? <clears throat> have you done something about it? Have you recognized that these things have, have happened in your life and are you willing to start with the humility of repentance? See, that's why this lesson really sums up everything because the humility that we're needing to start with is repentance right off the bat. We need to be willing to admit that, yes, this is me. Yes, I have sinned. Yes, I have fallen prey to this. Yes, I have neglected to do what I need to do. And I've got to get back where I need to be with the Lord. Are we willing to let that kind of humility lead us to say, God, I don't want to continue down this path. God, I don't want to continue doing this. God, I don't want to continue to live in this kind of mentality. What I want to do is I want to be able to let humility lead me and drive me. And that starts with repentance. And then after repentance, it, it continues by making sure that you have this foot washing mentality. That it doesn't matter if it's your friend. It doesn't matter if it's the person who's going to hurt you the deepest. It doesn't matter if it's going to be the person that's going to deny you, betray you. It doesn't matter if it's the person who's going to stab you in the back. It doesn't matter who it is. You understand that Christ has called you to love everyone just as He did. And that is unconditionally with full humility recognizing that they all need Jesus. Just as you did. It's not segregating people and saying, well, I'll, I'll wash the feet of those that are kind to me or those that are nice to me or those that treat me well or those that deserve it, but I'm not going to wash the feet of those people. Jesus says, if you can't wash the feet of those people, then I don't want you washing the feet of the other people. 
And see, that's where we're at. We're, we're willing to do this within our own context. We might even be able to do it within our own four walls of our church. We may look at it and say, yes, I'll wash the feet of the people in the church building, but will you wash the, the feet of the person whose skin color is different than you down the road? Will you wash the feet of the person down the road who has been convicted of a felony? Would you wash the feet of the person down the road who you know is a prostitute or an alcoholic or a drug addict? Would you wash the feet of the person who was a drunk driver and killed one of your family members? Now we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of Christianity. Now we're getting down to what humility really is. Are you willing to do it to the person that is the betrayer, that is the denier? Are you willing to show humility regardless of who it is? Are you willing to serve without conditions? Are you willing to serve the people that we would deem don't deserve it? Jesus did. Jesus stretched his arms out on Calvary when I didn't deserve it. When you didn't deserve it. Jesus took my sin when I didn't deserve it and he took your sin when you didn't deserve it. See, the problem that we have is because we have a lack of humility, we don't see ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. We see ourselves as good people who got religion. We see ourselves as good people who really didn't need a whole lot, but we're going to be churchy. And see, what happens is that's exactly where Satan wants you. Satan wants you to get to the point to where you don't see yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior. You don't see yourself as completely dead in your sins and need Jesus to make you alive. He wants you to see yourself as a good person who's not really that bad, who you can find a thousand other people down the road from you who you are better than, and really all you needed to do was just to add church to your life in order to make sure you could go to heaven. That's what He wants us to do. And that's the culture that He has created within our societies today that has crept into our churches. We have churches full of people who believe they're good people that are going to hell because they've never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. We have churches today full of people who believe that all they are is just a decision away from being able to get to heaven because everything else about them is good instead of understanding that they are dead in their sins and they need Jesus for the breath of life that they have. Humility has escaped us. And we live in a day and time to where all we can think about is how amazing and wonderful and awesome we are and that we're just going to sprinkle a little Jesus on us so that way we can make sure we go to heaven and then everything else will take care of itself. What that does is that lets you live in a fantasy fraud world that isn't real. You are living the life that the enemy is absolutely laid out for you to live. You've bit into it hook, line, and sinker. And the question that I have to ask you is this. If you answered no to the questions that I asked earlier about would you wash the feet of those who hurt you or would you wash the feet of those who betrayed you and you said no, I'm here to tell you right now, you need to find out do you have Jesus living in your heart? 
Now, I'm not saying, and I want you to hear my heart when I say this. I'm not saying, and I, I, I will tell you, when I say that there's people that's betrayed me, there are names that instantly come to my head that I could tell you their names right now. And I'm not going to tell you it would be easy for me to kneel down and grab their foot and wash it and dry it with a towel and I would do it with a smile. I'm not saying that. But I also know that I cannot sit down and say that I love Jesus with my whole heart, with everything that I got, and tell Jesus that I want to serve Him and there are people that I will not serve. That can't happen. And so what I've got to do is I've got to be able to be in a state and a mindset of saying, God, I need you more than ever now. And God, I need you to guide me with humility as I wash the feet of those who betray me. That's not something you can do in your own strength. That is only something you can do with the Holy Spirit doing it through you. But if you sit down and you immediately answer, no, I wouldn't do that, then I want you to understand you need to question whether Jesus is really living in your heart or not. And that's the scary thing that I'm talking about is because there's a lot of people that will look at it and say, I'm not washing their feet because they don't deserve it for what they've done for me. Listen, you don't deserve salvation for what you did to Jesus. But yet Jesus gave you salvation. I don't deserve salvation for what I've done to Jesus, but Jesus gave me salvation. It's not a matter of what you deserve. That's why it's called grace and mercy. And we've got to get past this mindset of what we deserve and what we don't deserve. We deserve hell and anything apart from that is grace and mercy from God. And I'm fearful that we live in a day and time within the culture of our church and in the culture of our Christian society that we spend more time talking about what we deserve than we do about humility. And so what I hope that you're able to see is that you're able to take this idea of what Jesus has done here concerning humility with His disciples and it it is able to then just wash over all of these other things that we've taught to where you're able to see and able to look at and able to ask yourself this question, do I have humility in my life? Am I letting humility guide me? Am I letting the Holy Spirit direct my life in these areas? That's what following Christ really starts with. So I hope that this series has been a challenge. I'd love to be able to hear from you if this has been able to impact your life, if this has been able to make a difference in something, if this has challenged you. I would love to be able to get some feedback from you. I'd love for you to contact me and let me know. Um, Looking forward to getting into a new series. Still working on that that we'll start uh, next week as we get back into our time together. This has been a uh, significantly long series that we've been in, but I also, again, I pray that it's been an encouragement to you. I pray that it's challenged you. I pray that it's given you some things to think about. I pray that it's allowed you to be able to kind of get back to the bare bones and basics of what it means to follow Christ. I pray most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that if you've never repented of your sins and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, that that would be something you would do today. That you would contact me or you would contact someone who's a Bible-believing Christian and ask them to talk to you and walk you through what it means to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior. I also encourage you, if this has been a blessing to you, to give it a five-star rating and give it a review on whatever platform you're listening to to help it get out there a little more. 
We look forward to seeing you back next week as we begin a new series together here on this podcast.